Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, uh, there's a lot well, we know about Hollywood, or think we know about Hollywood, but an awful lot we don't know. And these are the stories Carla Valderrama wanted to tell in her book, This Was Hollywood, Forgotten Stars and Stories. Carla, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Do you know why was Hollywood? Why did Hollywood become the centre of the film industry in the first instance? Well, there are several, you know, factors that go into that. I know initially it had really given birth with um, in New York and on the East Coast. There was, you know, various film centers. A lot of them were centered in New Jersey, particularly this town, Fort Lee. But there were other ones in Chicago and some other parts. And, of course, obviously there were parts across the whole world, not just America. But, you know, what really contributed to it in terms of America and in terms of the world of it all moving to Hollywood was a lot of it was World War One. During World War One, that's when Germany, all the other Europeans, everybody, their attention was all on war. And the U.S. was a little later getting in. And at that same time in America, there was the Spanish influenza. And people were moving to Hollywood because it was an area full of sunshine. The weather was there year-round. And, you know, in Fort Lee, New Jersey, it's cold. And so all of these factors really kind of pushed everybody to come to this place where I currently live, where it's like paradise 24-7 weather-wise where you could film. And that's kind of like the very short answer of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's. Uh, I was just wondering that. That's. Uh, that's an excellent answer. Also, very interesting <laughs> that you mentioned uh, the First World War because that m- many of the stories in your book are of, obviously of people that 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 most ordinary film fans wouldn't have heard of. Uh, tell yes. us about what happened to Robert Goldstein, and that was as a result of World War One. Yeah, Robert Goldstein. Um, he was this producer who, honestly, I didn't even know existed. This whole story was actually an accident. I was at the Margaret Herrick Library doing research on other cases, and one of the librarians handed me a file, accidentally, the wrong file, and in it, it said, I am the only producer to have been prosecuted in the movies, and I was like, whoa, what is this? And basically, he was a man who wanted to make a you know um you know a movie um about the you know like the um the the war and about and, and at the time people thought oh my gosh this guy is um he's a traitor you know Germans are he's he's German um we you know this guy he he ended up going to prison for making a movie long story short right. and his career was completely ruined and it's just crazy because you know in my time studying all of this i'd never seen anything like that and so that's like kind of the short answer for that yeah. <laughs> but i mean he made a film called the spirit of 76 um yes. and and it violated some uh, uh, the espionage act and how did it do that well, it violated the um, – he was arrested under the Espionage Act because at the time, you know, we were in, at war with Germany and they thought it had, you know, pro-German opinions. Although other – you know, at the time there was like censors at every single state in the U.S. that would say, you can show this movie, but you have to cut this out. You can show that movie, but you have to cut this out. And a lot of censors had actually said there's no pro-German you know, sentiment. We actually think this is the most patriotic film of all time. But, you know, one of the guys who was in charge of the Chicago censor, you know, he felt otherwise. And, you know, he um, actually the guy, the censor in Chicago who said that this was a pro-German film, he himself 
ended up being like kicked out of office for being accused of being pro-German as well. And so they just thought because of that, that he was a traitor. And um, even though they had, you know, they had told him, you know, you need to cut these scenes and he had cut these scenes. It still didn't matter. This was like a time of like crazy fever. And so they, you know, they arrested him for, you know, willfully and unlawfully attempting to cause insubordination, disloyalty, mutiny, and refusal of duty on the part of the military and naval forces of the United States. And that is a direct quote. And that's just so crazy because it's just, it's just a movie. But unfortunately, the movie much like the story of Robert Goldstein before I came across it is completely lost today. Mm. And this is a man who, you know, I, when I discovered the story, he had been wiped not only from history, but from his own family. Like he had been seen as a traitor. I called his brother's grandson and, you know, we, who ended up actually being the dean of a very prestigious university here. And I called him and I said, oh, I want to talk to you about your grandfather's brother. And he was like, my grandfather never had a brother. And I was like, okay, you might want to sit down because your life is about to change right now. And he was just stunned because he had no idea. Um, He was just like, he couldn't believe it. Like this guy had just been wiped from history, wiped from his family. And it's, it's a crazy story. And I, and I literally just stumbled on it because a librarian handed me the wrong file. That's astonishing. Also the, the the chapter you have about Rita Hayworth and the woman who became Rita Hayworth and that whole process the, the, uh, obviously, she was, yes. you know, a bit too Latino for their for their liking when she was Margarita Cancino. The, the, what was interesting to be interesting is that it wasn't like Hollywood was keeping it a secret who she previously had been. Yeah, that was the that was actually kind of the interesting thing about her story. I thought so. I'm also Latina, and so as a child, when I found out that Rita Hayworth was, you know, from Spain, was Spanish and all this stuff. I remember being so excited, but then also being kind of a little conflicted because I was like, oh, oh, but she had to kind of change like who she was. But that's, you know, I remember feeling this like twist of emotions being like, oh gosh, this is like, you know, kind of like sad and hurtful to me. But she was someone who never denied her heritage. She always spoke, you know, always spoke Spanish. And what was interesting to me about her specific transformation is that the the studio and also the fan magazines they they talked about it very openly because in the past it was you know kind of these people you know they were born their name was like you know plain jane maine and then they would change their name <laughs> to like something like you know luxurious like lana turner or theta Barra, and it would be part of this like built-in thing but for rita hayworth it was like this is the transformation of like Rita Cancino to, you know, Rita Hayworth. These are what she, like, this is what she did. She changed like her hair. She lost weight. She did all these things. And it was like kind of, you know, very open about it. And then over time, people have just not realized that like at all. Like so many people have said to me, oh, I had no idea. I had no idea she spoke Spanish. I had no idea she was Margarita Cancino. And they really were kind of two different people. Rita Hayworth was just a creation. It was just somebody that wasn't even close to like who she was in real life. Like when I think of Rita Hayworth, I think of Gilda, I think of her dancing in these movies and the people I've spoken to, you know, like Norman Lloyd told me she came over to his house for dinner one night for three hours, never said a word. Hmm. She's a completely different person. Very shy, very, very shy. You would never think that. Yeah, that's so interesting. But But it seemed almost as if like, because they were, they published, as I understand it, they published before and after pictures, um, Mm -hmm. almost as if to say, look, she managed to whiten herself. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's the thing I know for me, like as a child, because I, you know, I was obsessed with old, like I, my whole life, I'm obsessed with old Hollywood. And for me to like, to see that, I was like, oh, that's, 
you know, that's so sad, you know, and I, and, and it's like, I remember there were times when I was, you know, in high school, I was like, oh, I need to like dye my hair this. And it's like, no, this is my heritage. This is who I am. Like, you know, and for her, I think it was what she had to do at the time. She was so young, so young. She was mm. a teenager dancing with her father. Then she was with an older man who got her career. And so she was just kind of just, you know, following orders from people, you know, above her. She really, she really didn't have so much of it, like of a choice. It was like, yeah. this was like her livelihood. She was from a family that was in show business and it, it's, it's, it's sad. And she was beautiful before there was no, you know, there was no reason to do any of this. Yeah. That's just uh, two examples of some of the, of the many stories that are in This Was Hollywood, Forgotten Stars and Stories. Carla Valderrama is the author. Carla, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.